The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. Thank you for joining us on Grace in Focus from the Grace Evangelical Society. As today we continue our study with David Renfro, Ken Yates, and Bob Wilkin in the book by the Old Testament minor prophet Joel. We just got started yesterday on the introduction. Today we're going to look at the outline and then we'll look at verses 1 and 2 of the book. Very important verses. Hope you'll stay tuned, and that will begin to happen right after I invite you to our National Conference 2023, the Grace Evangelical Society's National Conference, happening this year, May the 22nd through the 25th. Our theme this year, Vital Free Grace Issues. If you've never been to one of our conferences, you are especially invited, and I know that it will be time well spent for you. It happens at a Christian camp, Camp Copus, in Denton, Texas, right close to our headquarters. There are lots of opportunities for fellowship and recreation, some great hotels right on site to stay in. And again, the registration details. Oh, by the way, if it's your first time, the registration fee is waived. So you will find those details at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. Now let's get into our study for the day. Here are the gentlemen. This is Ken Yates, and I'm here with... Bob Wilkin and David Renfro. David has quite a cult following. I'm telling you, I get I get emails <laughs> and they're all telling me, get Renfro back on. Yeah. We love Renfro. Yeah, I got a couple said, hey, could you get off the radio and let and let Dave? I was like, man, <laughs> can, can someone get the knife out of my back? Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of brutal, isn't it? I know. Yeah, it. I know it. But uh, in our last one, we talked about the author of the book the date and some of the issues, the audience, and we talk about the purpose. And now we're going to get into the outline and then see maybe the first couple verses of the book. So how's the book break out? Well, the longer I studied this book, the more I was amazed at what Joel did. I mean, one of the things that I like to do when I teach the Bible is not only is this the Word of God, this is exquisite literature. Mm-hmm. This is high-quality literature. I mean, Shakespeare kind of stuff, okay? Right. Joel is exactly the same way. You have the first verse, which is the introduction, and that's exactly what it does. It's just an introduction. Then you have a picture of the past. Chapter 1 talks about a locust plague. It's a real locust plague, I think, that has happened in the near past. Some people wonder if it's a actual locust or an army invasion, right? Right. And I'm my approach to this, which some scholars agree, some don't, my approach is that chapter one is a literal locust plague. That's kind of the first chapter. He talks about the past. And then starting in chapter two, he changes to what I call the near future, Joel's near future that something's about to happen. And that army of locusts will be, as you just said, Ken, an army of mighty men, an army of soldiers. And they will be as destructive as a locust plague will be. That's in the near future to Joel. So as we talked about, if this is a real army invasion and he rode in 825, could it be the Assyrians? That's probably what we're talking about. Who come 100 years later, right? So chapter 2, let's call that the near future. All right. And then the last major section starts at 228 and goes all the way to the end of the book, if you will. And that's what I call the far future. Well, we'd say the last days. And more or less, that's chapters 1, 2, and 3. Right. Broad picture. A broad picture. Chapter 1 is the past. 
Chapter two is the near future to Joel's day. And chapter three is a description of these themes that we talked about in the last episode, that um, they are still future to us. You and I would call it the tribulation and the millennial kingdom. That's our day of the Lord. That's our day of the Lord. Right. I think it's just fascinating how Joel put this together. He uses a real locust plague as an example of God's judgment. And even though the locusts change to humans, the same destruction is done. And both in the near and far future, there's lots of destruction. So we'll talk about all that as we go through the text. All right. Do you have your shovel? Absolutely. Let's start digging in 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. The word of Yahweh, the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. That's pretty much all we know about Joel. (laughs) And as we said in the introduction, there's a lot of words for God there. Lord, Joel, El, and his dad's name as well. Pethuel. Right. The word El stresses God's power when it's used that way. A variation of that is, of course, what is used in Genesis 1. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And that stresses the Lord's creation, his sovereign rule over his physical creation. And then you have Yahweh, which is the covenant name for God. And I don't know, some scholars disagree, but I think which name is used in the text is to me very important. Mm -hmm. And so when it talks about the word of Yahweh, Joel is talking to his covenant God. Right. Yes, he's sovereign, but he's also in a covenant relationship made with Moses way back when. Therefore, what he says here is based upon that covenant. So the names of the Lord there, what you're saying in your view is it emphasizes certain things. Like we use the word maybe God, or we might say the Lord, or we might say the Almighty, or we might say the Creator, but we might, we're just using different names, but what you're saying is these Old Testament writers have a particular characteristic of God in mind. That's my opinion, yeah. Right. And then sometimes they'll combine them, like uh, Yahweh Elohim, you know, the Lord God. He, he's the Lord, he's the covenant creator, if you will. And I believe that those names that the biblical writers under inspiration use words in a given context for a given reason. As you study the Bible, keep attention to which name of the Lord is there. The Lord of hosts. Right. Yahweh Tzabaot, which is the Lord of armies or the Lord of hosts. Why is that important in certain contexts? And to me, there's a lot of fertile ground for Bible study because I think there are principles and things that the Lord is wanting to communicate through that. And Yahweh or Elohim can refer to God the Father or can refer to the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that because there are verses in the New Testament that quote Old Testament texts that use Yahweh and say that refers to Jesus. And it can refer to the Godhead or even to the Holy Spirit, but it could refer to the entire Trinity, right? I think so, yeah. So, And of course, Old Testament people may not, probably didn't understand the Trinity. Right. Probably didn't grasp that. But what they did grasp is that God was all-powerful, holy, separate, and that he was the creator and the covenant keeper. He's going to keep the covenant with his people, right? When we get into the judgment portion of this stuff, what is the standard of judgment against his people? The law, the covenant law. And so that's why the covenant with Moses kind of permeates the whole Old Testament in one way or another. So that's where we're starting. We're starting, and Joel, even though he may have prophesied in a particularly prosperous time 
a time that there wasn't any danger of an invading army. Yeah, there were dangers out there, but not like what they're going to see a century later. Right. But the people, as if you read in Kings and Chronicles, the people are spiritually just way out there. They may worship the Lord, but what they've done is they brought in other gods and goddesses into their worship. Uh, We call it syncretism, believe with. To me, that is the major sin in the Old Testament. Yeah, I'm going to worship the Lord, but I'm going to worship Baal, too, just to kind of cover my bases. Sure. And that was spiritual harlotry, right? Exactly. And I think that is the major sin the Israelites were constantly bombarded with. And can I jump in here just from a free grace perspective? One of the issues here is that a lot of people will hear that and say, well, all those people were unbelievers. And that's not the case. Right. There were believers who were influenced by the cultures around them. They loved the world. They fell into sin. Solomon's a perfect example. Exactly. God gave him all this wisdom and wealth. He wrote lots of scripture, right? Lots of scripture. At the end of his life, what is that, 1 Kings 11? He ends up an idolater because of his many foreign wives that led him astray. Right. He's obviously a believer. God doesn't have unbelievers writing scripture. And yet... He ended his life badly. Right. And so when we apply this, that's a very important thing to keep in oh, mind. Oh, believers here. today never involve syncretistic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Know? They never bring in the beliefs of other religions into the Christian world at all, do they? I think that's called contemplative spirituality. <laughs> <laughs> or some, I, think, I think we call that a lot of things. Or There's some a lot people, of things. you know, in seminaries, they teach something in Bible colleges called spiritual formation. I particularly have a problem with that because they do bring in some meditative practices, and they bring in some contemplative practices of other religions. Yeah, uh, and Brad, the president of the GES board, don't get him started on that. (laughs) Don't get him started on that. I think it's all over the place. The pure worship of the Lord and the Lord only, I'm sorry to say, is starting to become way too rare, Yeah, even in what we would consider Bible churches. Those that should know better, we'll put it that way. But there was also that issue in 825 B.C. It's It's, amazing, isn't it? It kind of brings back, and I'll probably repeat myself, not because I'm old, but because (laughs) I'd like to do it. After studying the Old Testament as much as I have, I've come to the conclusion that there is the battle cry of the sinful human being. I've got a better idea. You know, the Lord says, all you need is me. Oh, I've got a better idea. Okay, Lord, I'll, yeah, I'll follow you, but I'm also going to bring in all these other gods because they look really cool. And we need to include those in our worship. Plus, we want to get along with our neighbors. Absolutely. I don't want to be ostracized from going to the grocery store for crying (laughs) out loud. All right. So let's dig into the past. That's one, two through 20. And we're just going to dip our toe because we've only got about a minute left. So get us started, David. What he does, I think it's interesting, is the very first thing that Joel does, it's a call to the people that he's writing to. Wake up. Pay attention to what I'm about to say. And notice in verse 2, he does say, hear this, you elders. Now, an elder is a ruler. But then he also says, give ear all you inhabitants of the land. Now, remember, almost the entire book of Joel is Hebrew poetry. And it uses figures of speech, and we've already come to one. It's called a merism. It's the use of opposites to indicate totality. You have elders at the top of the social ladder, and then you have inhabitants at the bottom. In other words, everybody, listen up. Right. From the top of the society to the bottom, listen 
from the top, the bottom, everything in between. Right. All right. Well, we'll end there for today. And in the meantime, keep Keep grace in focus. Zane Hodges' excellent commentary on Romans, entitled Romans Deliverance from Wrath, is available right now on our website, faithalone.org. Get half price through February 28, 2023, when you use the code word ROMANS. That's faithalone.org. Would you be interested in some free ebooks on topics you hear on this program? Well, if you are, you need to come visit us at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. On the site, we've got all kinds of free materials. But one of our popular options is our free ebooks on a range of subjects. They're designed to help you mature and grow in your understanding of the faith and scripture. So come visit us at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. We are so thankful for our financial partners who keep us on the air. Every gift is tax deductible and very much appreciated. If you'd like to find out how you can give, go to faithalone.org. Would you like to have a chat with Dr. Bob or one of the guests here on the program? Let me tell you how to reach out to the team. You can get us on our email address, which is radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. On the next episode of Grace in Focus, we will be looking at the first chapter of Joel and the Day of the Lord. Some important material. We hope you'll join us. This is the Grace Evangelical Society reminding you to always keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.